Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Today, I am joined by J.C. Sambor, Head of Emerging Market Fixed Income, and Alu Boucheri, Head of EM Corporates. Welcome, J.C. Welcome, Ala. Thank you very much. Great to be here. We think about the environment for emerging market assets. Currently, over the last couple of years, it's been challenging. I think that that's safe to say. Uh, and now, when we think about the dollar strength over the last few years, expectations of U.S. interest rates rising as we go into a hiking cycle for the Fed, uh, you wonder about fund flows uh, in this environment. And of course, there's always COVID. So f- I'm sure your job, never easy, but particularly challenging these days. Uh, that said, I'm sure if you're a portfolio manager, you're always looking for the opportunities in those challenges. Uh, with that perspective then, JC, maybe I'll start with you. Can you give us a quick update on how your portfolios are positioned across hard currency and local currency EM bonds? Sure, with, with pleasure. Over the last couple of years, it has been very volatile and a little bit of a mixed bag. Why it has been so volatile? First, I would say that's because U.S. Treasuries have been extremely volatile. And usually, like it's, uh, it's not the case. Usually, it's, uh, the main risk in emerging markets are, are more on the credit side, are more on the spread side. And in 2021, it was not the case. The main driver of the volatility has been really like uh, U.S. Treasuries, which were sometimes massively selling off, sometimes rallying very significantly. Now, where do we stand for 2022? We are actually quite positive, and it's a pretty contrarian call that we have. We think that emerging markets, like in general, are extremely cheap. So I would argue that the massive widening in spreads we had in 2021, at the end of the year, like and to some extent also in early 2022, is overdone. We are seeing some great opportunities, and it's pretty ironic because I would say that we are seeing more opportunities in uh, countries with quite a lot of idiosyncratic risk. And like we think that the investment grade you tend to look a little bit expensive. So I think there's a little bit of misplacement of safe haven, if you want. I think that the safe haven are more on the high yield side than on the investment grade side. So it's the right time to take more credit risk. So how do we look at this on the hard currency side? We, we think that we should have a pretty negative view on duration. Uh, we think that treasuries are likely to sell off. We think that the curve is likely to steepen in U.S. treasuries. So we are pretty negative on that front. But that is combined with a very positive view on high yield risk. We are willing to take credit risk in emerging market. We see a lot of value in emerging market frontier. We think that your frontier markets are extremely cheap. We see also a lot of value on like emerging market corporate credits and like allies is with us today. And we think that on the high yield side, there are like plenty of great opportunities. And like I'm sure we're going to be talking more about Asia credits, which have been under a lot of pressure. And we think that we are like at an infection point. That's where we stand on the hard currency side. On the local currency side, as you say, that Daniel, that you, in your initial comments, it has been very challenging over the last couple of years. But also, we think that we are a turning point. We think that emerging market currencies are extremely cheap. And what is pretty interesting is that despite the Fed tightening cycle, which is expected by 
many economists, and we, we think that it's going to, of course, happen. Uh, but we think that emerging market currencies are likely actually to appreciate against US dollar, which is going to be pretty like new compared to your fighting cycle in the past. So we are positive on emerging market currencies. And also what is pretty interesting is that we think that on the right side, there will be some opportunities. Maybe not in the very short term. I think that many central banks will have to continue to hike rates in emerging markets. But at some point in 2022, there will be some great opportunities because we think that inflation is likely to peak earlier in emerging markets than in developed markets, which is also a pretty unique feature compared to uh, like other tightening cycle from the Fed. It's good for you to highlight the opportunities in all of this, JC. Thank you. Uh, one of your big calls last year was on Asian high yield. Can you give us an update on your positioning and how you view the opportunity today? Sure. So that's a call that we started to have late last year, and it remains one of our highest conviction. But we are a pretty contrarian team. Uh, we, we tend to, to try to identify inflection points in the market when we think that the market is oversold and we have extreme fear in this market. And we think that Asia credit uh, are extremely interesting. As you know, in the past, your Asia credit was a little bit dull, I would say, like very stable price action. Uh, but in 2021, it was really not the case. Uh, you had like a massive sell-off in uh, China investment grade, like related to Huarong Saga over the summer. And then you had the massive sell-off in Asia high yield. We think now that we are at the turning point. Of course, there will be more default. In 2022, there will be more headline risk in Asia, your credit, but we think this is really priced in, and I'm sure that Ala will be elaborating more on this topic. So Asia spreads extremely cheap. Usually spreads don't stay cheap too long, and we, are, we do expect a, a significant recovery. Why it's going to be the case? Because we think that we are at an inflection point on Chinese policy making. We are seeing more like fiscal and monetary easing, and we are seeing some action from policymakers in China to make sure that the risk on the property market is very well contained and that the liquidity risk uh, is under control. So our job as PMs is to make sure that we identify this infection point when we have reached this extreme fear in this market. So yes, you're absolutely right. That's one of our biggest high conviction trades we have on in all our portfolios. And we think that in 2022, we should see a massive reversal. So let's turn to you, Alice. You're responsible for the corporate credit part of the portfolio. Let's stick on China high yield, if we can. Where do you see the opportunities in China high yield? So in China high yield, where we see the opportunities more specifically is in the property sector. The sector is very important to the economy, where it contributes directly and indirectly up to 30% of GDP. We expect the sector to continue to be an important part of the economy, and we expect the policy 
policymakers to support this sector. We don't expect the policymaker to come with a big bang turnaround in terms of policies. We expect it to be in piecemeal and therefore we remain constructive on the sector. And we've seen this easing in policy already start and we expect it to continue throughout the year. And therefore we are high conviction and continue to hold this position across our portfolios. We've even seen on the back of sentiments across Asia high yield in unrelated sectors, a sell-off, which uh, we also find opportunity there. But uh, more specifically, it remains China high yield and, and China real estate. So let's look a little more broadly than just China high yield. You're responsible for all EM corporate credit, so a pretty big universe there. Uh, what are some of the other segments that you find particularly appealing? I mean, we really look for, for dislocation. At the moment, we see that in Russia, Ukraine, which is dominating headlines. And as a result, we see a development of fear across all these credits, regardless of their fundamentals, regardless of the health of their balance sheets. And we use this opportunity to do our research and really understand these companies and take positions where we are comfortable in the company's strategy and trajectory, but is being punished on the back of these headlines that we've seen recently. Let's turn back to you, JC, if we can. I mentioned at the beginning that one of the concerns people might have about the outlook for emerging market fixed income is the fact that U.S. rates are going to rise. And the popular narrative is that that's bad for emerging market assets. What's your take on that? We have seen some very significant sell-off in uh, emerging markets assets, both on the fixed income and on the equity side. I've been underperforming in uh, 2021 uh, compared to developed markets. So we think that this time around is going to be different. We think that we are at the turning point. Uh, so why we think it's going to be the case? So first, because it's already priced in. So the spreads are like already very elevated, especially on the high yield side. And we are seeing great valuation entry points on the corporate side, but also on some your high yield and, and frontier sovereign names. On the second thing is that it's uh, we are also of the view that many central banks in emerging markets got the memo already, as I, as I say, that uh, they hiked rates preemptively. Inflationary pressures have been strong over the last couple of months. But when you think about Russia, when you think about Brazil, when you think about all these large EM central banks, which decided to be very aggressive in their tightening cycle, they have built some significant buffers in terms of real rates. So it's not that the rest of the world, developed markets will be hiking rates and central banks in emerging markets will stay on the sideline. They have done actually much more already than the rest of the world. So we think that they are now in a very strong and credible stance. And we would be quite surprised if emerging markets currencies are not actually appreciating against US dollars. One of the big changes in the emerging market fixed income world over the last couple of years has been the development of the China onshore market, or at least as far as foreign investors are concerned. I know this has been a big point of attention for you and a big interest. Could you tell us a little bit more about what's happening? I'm actually very, very excited about this. We have been covering China for more than 20 years and waiting for this real opening. And it's, uh, I think it's real. It is happening. We are seeing a lot of inflows, and I think that's only the beginning of this new trend. Why are we so excited about this? So first, 
It's the second largest market in the world, and it's uh, just behind the U.S., and it's a terra incognita for many investors. And it's not surprising because in the past you had quotas. It was very difficult to have access to these markets. Now, like over the last couple of years, Chinese policymakers make our life much, much easier. It's much easier to have access to, to the central market. The second point is that when you think about this, all central banks in the world will be hiking rates. We just discussed about this. And there's going to be only one large central bank which is likely to cut rates. It's China. Um, so again, you have a world which is quite synchronized with the exception of China. So we think that it's this desynchronization will offer some great opportunities on, on the Chinese onshore side. So we are very positive on Chinese rates. We are expecting more cuts coming from PBOC, and I think it's not you know, fully priced in. And when you combine the fact that you have like a great macro backdrop where the central bank is likely to cut, and the fact that it's still a market which is on the round, you should expect some very strong technicals and very strong inflows coming from foreigners. If you put things into perspective, the share of foreign ownership in China, uh, when it comes to treasuries, it's around 10%. It should be much higher than that. And like in three, five years, 10 years, it's, it's going to be maybe at 20, 30, 40 percent, depending on, on the pace of chase. So you have a, a strong argument for very strong macro support, very strong technical support, and like very low correlation with other fixed income asset classes. Uh, so we are seeing a lot of interest from global institutional investors, but also what is very interesting, more and more interest from like retail investors. And I think I would be extremely surprised if in three to five years, China onshore is not part of any portfolios from retail investors and private bank clients. Thanks very much, JC. If I can summarize some of the information that you shared with us, uh, you started out by saying you have a positive outlook for the year. And the reason you think it'll turn out to be a better year for EM fixed income is that despite the fact you have rising rates in the U.S., that it will hopefully be different this time for EM assets because this has been, well, telegraph should already be priced in. Ala, you talked about the opportunities in corporate credit. And if we think in particular about China and some of the turbulence, shall we say, we've had in the property market, uh, you noted that we likely will see more defaults, uh, but spreads reflect that risk, and if anything, reflect too much risk, and hence the opportunity. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact, or check out our Investors Corner blog. For listeners who have devices with Alexa, you can ask Alexa to enable Investment Insights or search for Investment Insights on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. My thanks to JC and Ala for sharing their insights. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Please join me next week when I'll be speaking with David Choa about the outlook for Chinese equities. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.